Welcome into our first official episode, everybody. We've Holy been, crap, y'all. I know. Season two. Season two of the Panther Pod is officially underway. Wait, 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 Cole. Do you hear that? We're back. All right, Texas, calm down now. <laughs> oh, I don't like that we started off straight with a Texas reference. Um, uh, very on brand. Yep. But just to give everybody a reminder, I'm Owen Sapelnik. My name's Cole Connor. And this is season two of the Panther Pod. So. If any of you listen, we did do a summer special, two-part summer special, talking about conference realignment and recruiting. <clears throat> uh, we didn't get to touch on Ferrum or the ODAC much. Our namesake. Our, our namesake, yes. It's literally in our logo, o- ODAC football coverage. Um, so we're going to give a little preview for Ferrum and talking about the, what their upcoming season will we expect here on the Panther Pod and looking at ODAC preview as well, who is looking – to be at the top of the conference, will Averton make a surprise moving from USA South all the way to the ODAC and jump to the top of the conference? I am so excited for the Farum Avery game. Absolutely. It's back at Farum this year, so that'll be an exciting way to close out the home opener, a true rivalry there. Um, so getting into it, just recapping Farum season last year, they went overall 6-4, and four, going 600 and out of, or overall in the conference, or not in the conference, overall schedule. And batting 500 for the conference, going three and three, um, very respectable season. Very respectable season, especially under new head coach with Cleve Adams, returning to his alma mater. They did great at home. They were four and one at home, losing that only home game against Randolph Macon, which was kind of a butt whooping. Um, two and three, they were two and three on the road. They were okay there, and they had a, a, a two week or two loss losing streak. So, Ferrum's got to clean up some things. They're, it's going to be another tough year this year, starting off the bat, Thursday night game, September 1st, at UVA-wise. Uh, First-time opponent for Ferrum. So, that's going to be interesting to see how is going to handle that, a Division Two team. With losing a lot of seniors, I think we said they graduated 14 to 18 seniors, somewhere around there. So, they lost a lot of senior production, one of those seniors being Titus Jones. So who replaces Titus Jones from, uh, I think it was Nick Cook I heard last year or one of the other football players I had classes with, they said it was the punter. The punter might actually, he was a rather decent punter. He punted in high school, and now he's, he might be the new starting quarterback. He was a backup last year. So it's going to be interesting to see. I hate that we lose Titus. Um, he was it, it was great for Farron, very mobile when we needed to be, but also had a great arm. But we do return to Mate Penn which is amazing, uh, one of the top offensive players last year. One across thing, D3. Across D3, yeah, yeah, and across the ODAC, you know. Yeah. Um, a big reason why we succeeded in a lot of those games, a lot of offensive uh, showdown games. One thing, though, I am curious to see is how does the defense improve, especially against teams like Randolph-Macon and Hamden-Sydney and those teams. How does the defense improve? Because it was really hard – for especially for some games, for the defense to make a stop. Now, that doesn't mean they didn't make stops. They still had several, several turnovers. Uh, I think they were maybe fourth or fifth in the league in in defense. So they were right around there, right in the middle of the pack, the ODAC. So it's going to be interesting to see how does the defense step up this year. As far as the defense goes, I definitely have a few questions regarding the secondary. 
Um, the linebacking core looks solid. Their defensive line looks above average, mm-hmm. which isn't where you want it to be. Um, but I, I do feel like Ferrum knows where they're at and knows how to improve. So we look for definitely a marked improvement on last year's defense because I remember there was uh, two or three games where you know Ferrum was two or three big plays away from winning. And a lot of those big plays came on giving up those deep balls, giving up long rushes, especially against Hampton Sydney. Um, so it's it's going to be interesting, but I feel like Ferrum has the capability to improve it and have made internal improvements um, with the 70-plus recruiting class they had uh, this year. So I, I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting to say the least. Yep, that's a, that's a lot of youth coming in. Um, a lot of youth is good, but sometimes it can be bad. You never yeah. know. Turnover can be good, and turnover can be bad. Yeah. Um, so seeing the youth come in is nice, and getting that big recruiting class for Ferrum is going to be nice. But they lack the experience of college football. Uh, it's not. It's no D one, but it's still college football. So it does. The game does speed up a little bit for them. Uh, we're going to take a look here at Farum's upcoming schedule for this season. So just a quick rundown. To start off, they're going to go 7 p.m. September 1st against UVA Wise at UVA Wise. So that'll be interesting to see a Division two opponent. It's going to be a tough game for Farum. Then we get another first time opponent, uh, Muskingum. I think is how you pronounce it. September 10th at 1 p.m., the first home game of uh, Farum's season. Uh, another first-time opponent for Farum. So it's going to be interesting to see that UVA-wise and Muskingum, how how that goes for first-time opponents for a non-conference game. And then uh, rounding out their non-conference, it's an old conference foe in LaGrange or LaGrange? I would say LaGrange. LaGrange. It sounds very like Louisiana esque, but uh, but they're but in North Carolina. But they're in North Carolina. Maybe the they're Louisiana over... School of LaGrange in yes. North Carolina. Yes, maybe maybe it's over there in Roanoke Island or somewhere. Yeah, somewhere who in the, knows? the the I say the Chesapeake area. No, that's Virginia. <laughs> but then um, uh, that's at LaGrange. So that's another road game, September seventeenth at one p.m. Coming they... into October, mm-hmm. um, Farron faces off Shenandoah. Saturday, October 1st at 1 p.m. Um, that is going to be at Shenandoah, unfortunately. Yep, so two road games. Yep, and then ending the road stand, we take Hampton-Sydney Saturday, October 8th at 3.30 p.m. Uh, trying to get a little bit of revenge for yes. last season. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Saturday, October 15th will actually be Ferrum against Washington and Lee. Another close game last last season. 2 p.m. Uh, at Ferrum. Um, Saturday, October 22nd, Ferrum versus Guilford at Guilford. Um, it's going to be at 1 p.m. Um, should be an interesting game. I think Ferrum and Guilford are a lot more evenly matched. I know Guilford graduated a lot more than we did this year. Um, but either way, it's going to be it's going to be a great game, and then uh, rounding out October, Farum versus Bridgewater at Farum this year. That'll be another close game. That was a close close game last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Nick Cook off right, right off the heels of that game as well, uh, and then beginning in November, they go on the road to Randolph Macon at mm-hmm. 1 p.m. That's another tough game, and then the game that's highly anticipated this year. The Averett game. 
at home, November 12th, 1 p.m. Rivalry week. Um, so old conference, old USA conference foes now become old ODAC foes. That well. is also Averett's Hall of Fame Day and Senior Day. No, no, that's Farum's Hall of Fame Day and Senior Day. Oh, excuse me. It also has Averett marked as Hall of Fame Day, Senior Day. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that, I think it's where it says it says it's versus because it says gotcha, versus. Gotcha, gotcha, yep. gotcha. Um, so, Cole, I'm going to hand this over to you. We're going to go non-conference first. I want you to take me through non-conference, how you're feeling. Uh, UVA, I'll give you some stats here. UVA-wise was 5-6 and six overall last year. They went 4-4 four and four in the conference, so batting 100. They only had a one-loss one losing streak. They were 3-3 three and three at home and 2-3 and three away. So... What do you think? What do you think of Fairham's chances against UVA wise this year? Well, as the ODAC opener game um, across the besides preseason games, like how they're playing Myrtle Beach Prep, yeah, yeah, um, everything like that, UVA wise is going to be a tough opponent. Absolutely. I mean, there's there's no other way to put it. That would be if Emory and Henry decided to play Eastern Tennessee State or – Which is funny because UVA-wise did play East Tennessee State last year and lost 45-14. to mm. So that's, that's funny you say that. Yeah, well. <laughs> um, UVA-wise is going to be tough. I think that Ferrum can pull it out with the right game plan, and it's definitely going to be a test on the defense because UVA-wise has a historically dominant run offense – it's it's going to be interesting to say the least. Um, personally, and y'all might hate me for this. Um, I've got UVA wise winning that one. I agree. I agree with that one. I think a Division two opponent is going to be a lot to handle for Farum, especially on a Thursday night. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Against, you know, at, in, on their home turf, I think that's going to be a tough game. That atmosphere is going to be insane, though, because that's going to be their opener. That's going to be their home opener too. Mm-hmm. I they think, got the work cut out for them. I think this is one of the games where Ferrum takes their lumps on yeah. this one. Um, Not so, knocking Ferrum at all. I mean, they they it's a Division two opponent. Well, um, and we saw what they and and, and the difference is this is you know with division two you finally get to that point where they have scholarships Ferrum does not have scholarships besides academic scholarships so that does make a big difference when playing a division two opponent and we saw what happened last year when they played Emory Henry who is now moving up to division two and they're expected to finish 11th in the south in the south Atlantic conference southern Atlantic conference so I think it's gonna be a tough one I think unfortunately Ferrum does start off the season 0-1 but I think they get <clears throat> I think they get that win back at home against Musk and Gum uh, to start off the season one and one, heading into uh, a former USA South opponent, Lagrange. They've, I mean, let's be real. Who wants to start off your season zero and one? But what better way to rebound from that than winning your next two games? It's in your in your home opener too. Yeah. So I think Farum regains a lot of momentum uh, coming into the Lagrange game. And I think that momentum carries into the Shenandoah game. I think Farum beats Shenandoah this year. I think they beat Shenandoah as well. They beat them last year um, convincingly. Yes. Nothing that was shocking, but convincingly. Uh, and, and going back to LaGrange as well, I, th- I think they have a chance to beat LaGrange. I think they're both evenly matched teams. Um, LaGrange is expected to finish 
about midway through the pack in the USA South this year. So it's going to be interesting to see how Ferrum, I think Ferrum can finish the non-con the non-conference schedule two and one heading it heading into Shenandoah excuse me and I think they can beat Shenandoah I think for certainly they can beat Shenandoah but I also expect too that's that's two road games back to back so it's going to be tough not in the sense of traveling wise but in the sense of you're not playing against your home field and you know, and and it is a little bit. I, I would say too, it is maybe a little bit of travel too. You know, Lagrange is down there in North Carolina, and then Shenandoah is all the way up in Northern Virginia, up yeah. in Nova. So it is going to be a little bit of a travel. Um, but I think I think Ferrum is able to pull out Shenandoah. I think Shenandoah will be looking for uh, for revenge this year. But I think going into Hamden, Sydney, I think Ferrum Ferrum is going three and one. I agree with you. Um, let's be real. Hampton, Hampton, Sydney, uh, mopped the floor with us last year. It wasn't, it wasn't as bad as everyone says it was, but either way, it was a bad loss. It was one of those losses that you felt you, you didn't feel great just about the loss, but you felt bad about how we performed and how Ferrum performed. Absolutely. I think Ferrum bounces back this year. Um, I'm going to say close game. Mm-hmm. At the very least, mm-hmm. um, I don't think – I think Ferrum is looking to earn more respect this year, especially with Cleve Adams it being his second season. Um, everyone saw what Cleve could do with a team that wasn't entirely familiar with him and he wasn't entirely familiar with the talent that he had on his roster. Um, that's not a knock against Cleve. I think no, he's just a great guy. You need an adjustment period. Um, but I do think that Barham also pulls out the win against Hampton Sydney. I think they pull out a close win against Hampton Sydney as well. They lose Caleb Smith this year, didn't, didn't they? They did. He graduated. So there yeah. goes a big time running back for them as well, yeah. who ran all over Farham's defense oh, last yeah. year. Absolutely. So I, I think by losing Caleb Smith, I think that's a big hit for Hamden Sydney. Um so I think Farum can pull out a close game with Hamden Sydney. Then next week they get another home game against uh conference champ Washington Lee. I'll be honest with mm. you. Washington mm. Lee looks just as good as they did last year. I'd, I I I personally I'd hate to see it, but I think another close game and I think Farum drops this one. It may yeah. not be as close as what it was last year. I think they yeah. went to if I remember correctly they went into overtime. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they go into overtime this year. I think they finish it out in sixty minutes. I think it's going to be a decisive victory for Washington and Lee. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I think it's going to be at least a two score game. At, at least at least ten points. At least ten points. I yeah. think. I I agree with Washington that. and Lee. Now, Fair may surprise us. Who knows? Yeah, but. I, I I do think that Washington and Lee get, uh, gets this win. So you end up, was that four and two? Yeah, four, four and, and two. two walking into Guilford easily. I think you beat Guilford easily oh, at home without a, without a drop of sweat. Yes, I th- I think I think you now don't slip up like you did against Apprentice last year because yeah. Apprentice was also a bad team last year and you only beat them by two points because you walked in because Farron walked in thinking they would just curb stop them and they didn't. So you you've got you've got to be careful. You can't take Guilford life likely. Is is Guilford 
not great of a football team? Like, have they not been great recently? No. But, you know, Kansas has always been known to jump up and bite a couple people every now and then. Oh, yeah. Look Absolutely. at Oklahoma and Texas last year, you know? Absolutely. So, but I, I do think if, if Farron plays good football, they don't underestimate Guilford and they treat them with respect easily. Easily a win against Guilford. At least, a, at least two touchdowns, they beat Guilford. Speaking of wins, Bridgewater. I think that Ferrum Bridgewater last year was a young team. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, they were young. They were very inexperienced. I think they had a true freshman starting at quarterback last year, if I'm not mistaken. I couldn't tell you. I think so. I think that is correct. Um, but I think that Ferrum pulls out a victory over Bridgewater, and I think this is, you know, if this is – easily at the height of ODAC conference, like when everything starts to matter. It, it matters week one, but as far as jumping up spots in the conference, trying to get um, into the postseason, I think this is a game that Ferrum considers a must win. Um, and with them being at, at this point, you know, five and two, I think that a lot of people are going to look at Ferrum and say, okay, well, you know, if they can beat Bridgewater, they might have a shot at getting into the postseason. Yeah. Um, I think that Farron pulls this out. Uh, I am unsure about this game, and I am unsure about the Averett game. Yeah. Um, Bridgewater, it, Bridgewater is usually one of three top teams in this conference. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's, be, it's usually between Washington Lee, Bridgewater, and Randolph-Macon. Now, Last year, that was not the case. For for a good little bit there, it was about a four-horse race with Farum bringing up the rear. Farum dropped off. Then it became Washington Lee, Randolph-Macon, and Hamnett-Sydney. Now, then Hamnett-Sydney fell off, and it, and it was Washington it was Washington Lee's for the taking. I, I just don't know. It's, it's nice that it's a home game. I like that. I like that it's a home game. But Bridgewater was a young team last year, but now they've got a lot of experience together. And they they've got a they've got a good a good coaching staff. I just I don't know. This one is one I'm unsure about and I don't know what to give an opinion for on this one. Um this is a revenge, a revenge game for Bridgewater. I just I, – I don't know, to be honest with you. I, I would like to say Farron wins, but I also feel like – I also feel like Bridgewater could win. It, 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 this one is a toss-up for me. I'm going to put this one down as a question mark for me. Um, yeah. Next, uh, you go on the road, Randolph-Macon. I think that's a loss. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think that's a loss. Um, they finished second last year in the ODAC overall. Um, it's going to be I, – I don't think it's going to be a blowout – but I think it's going to be either this game or uh, against Averett is definitely going to be Farum's third loss of the season. I think so too. Um, I, I, well, in the last three, I really I can see Farum going two and one. Hmm. I can see them going one and two, and I can see them going zero oh and three for these last like, these last few games of the season. Um, yeah, Randolph Macon, I, I see for sure as a loss. 
I, I I wish it were not so, but Randolph making solid year in year oh, yeah. out. They, it's it's hard to beat. Randolph Macon is the epitome of consistency. Yes, they're the excellence of execution. Yes, and we I think we said that last year. You know, Randolph Macon just doesn't miss. It, it doesn't change. And they and they didn't have penalties last year too. That no. was the that was the thing I thought that really hurt Farrell in last honestly, year's game. It it wasn't on dirty play from Randolph Macon, and the refs just weren't seeing it. No, they don't get penalties. Yeah, they they, they execute. Yes, and I and that was the thing is I, I think that's what really shot Farrell in the foot for some of their games as well were senseless penalties, um, and then we get to Averett. Averett's got a lot of returning production this year. Now I will say this, Farrell did steal their wide their top wide receiver from last year, their transfer wide receiver, uh, came in to Farum. So uh, now, along with Tamad Hay-Penn, you've now got this wide receiver from Averett. So it's going to be interesting to see. This is gonna, I think it's going to be just as he as it was last year. Um, but I'm going to be honest with you. Averett is a toss-up for me. But knowing the history with it and knowing, knowing this team and it being at Farum, I think Farum pulls out a – Tight, tight. I think this even goes into overtime at least once, uh, if not twice. Here's my thing with Averett. Last year, they were our home opener. Mm-hmm. It was an electric atmosphere. Um, it was it was a great game. It was a great football game. A great one and zero start to the season. Mm-hmm. I think Farum finishes out their season two and zero against Averett. I think that Farum beats Averett. I don't think it's convincing. I think I'm along the same boat with you. I think it's going to be another tough game. Um, but I think Cleve Adams has been in this spot before, and I think that he pulls it out. So, overall, you're saying Farum's going to go another 6-4 and four this year? Yes. Another 6-4? and four. Okay. I say either 6-4, and 7-3. and three, I'm depending. sorry. Hold on. Let's see. Yeah, seven and three. Seven and three. Yeah, seven and three. Because you said lost to Washington Lee and Randolph making UVA wise. Yep. Okay, seven and three. So they take a step. They take a step, step in forward. the right direction. Yeah, they take a step forward this year. Um, I, I think they're going to go six. I think they go either six and four or seven and three, right around that range. I'm leaning more towards six and four. I think they. I think they may end up dropping that Bridgewater game or the Averett game, just because. They're bringing back more returning production. No, and I I completely and totally understand that. I mean, there's ultimately we watch college football because we don't know who's going to win. <laughs> like, it, we can say, "Oh my God, Farum has Calvin Johnson, Joe Montana, you know, all of <laughs> anyone that you could possibly want as far as NFL players go." Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, we don't know what like. I'm not saying Farum's an underdog this year, but I'm saying they're they're an underdog to win the ODAC. I think they're, an o- they're definitely an ODAC to win to win the ODAC. I think they they finish. Excuse me. I think they finish middle of the pack this year, most definitely. Um, so yeah. So there's Farum's <clears throat> Farum's preview. We're gonna look here now at ODAC preview. So looking back at the ODAC. Let's see here. Let me pull up 2021 standings. Uh, 
Averett comes in as the new conference opponent this year. So it's gonna be it's nice to have Averett in. But I still think we see, and we talked about this too, I still think we see the same two or three teams come uh come to the top. I still think it's gonna be between Washington and Lee and Randolph Macon. Um last year Washington and Lee fin- uh won won the conference with a five and one record in conference. Randolph Macon also finished five and one in conference. They had the best overall record by the way. They finished nine and one overall with that only loss being to Washington and Lee. Uh Washington and Lee finished eight and three overall. Hamden Sydney was four and two. Farum went three and three. They finished literally dead center of the pack, finished uh, fourth. Shenandoah finished three and three. Bridge- Bridgewater was one and five, and Guilford was zero and six. So, I, you know, I'm. Where does Averett come into that? I think Averett and Farum, Averett, Farum, and Shenandoah are all going to be vying for those. There's those, that three spot, those that three four spot, spot yeah. that five spot. Yes, I agree with you. Uh, maybe not even the three spot. I think four, five, and six. Four, I five, th- and six. I think they vie for those spots. Um, Averett makes price people and take and go after the third spot. Um, but I, I, I truly believe that it's going to be a Washington, Lee, and Randolph-Macon year. One and two. One and two. Uh, Hamden, Sydney, also may be up in there. But but if we're being honest, I think Bridgewater could also go up to number three as well. I think Bridgewater next year is going to be dangerous. Okay. I don't think this year is the year for Bridgewater because most of the time it takes young players two years to like finally start to get comfortable. For the game to slow down for them. Exactly. Okay. And I think that Bridgewater is going to – I don't think they're going to have a rock-bottom year like they did last year, mm-hmm. but I think they're going to be in that – you know, four, five, six, instead of, and I, I agree with you. I think Averick is going to make an immediate impact. Mm-hmm. Um, they very well could be in that four, five, six range, and like you said, they could be in that one, two, three range. We don't know because they're this is their first year in the ODAC, and they very well could win the thing. But <coughs> last year shows us that Averick is a team that can be beaten. As long as, you know, we reign in control and ignore some of the stupid penalties that we got last year. So I think that last year Farum was a very emotional team, and I think Farum breaks that habit this year clean. So we'll see. Um, If you were a betting man, who would you put your money on for the ODAC? Washington and Lee. Washington and Lee? Yep. I I think I'd go Randolph-Macon. I Understandably think, so. I mean, uh, yeah, I think I go Randolph Macon. Um, Washington Lee is going to be good. I, you know, I think it goes either way, but I'm going to lean Randolph Macon this and, year. I mean, it's it's very much it's the right call. Mm-hmm. Those those are I, I think those are reliable picks. Yeah. Would I love to see the ODAC wide open this year? Absolutely. Yeah. Just Do you realize it how makes much, it more interesting to watch. Exactly. Do you realize how much of a fun league that would be? Yeah. You know, so I I think that's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting it's gonna be a good year, um, but I still expect us to see the same top few teams rise to the top uh, as we do in most 
college football conferences. All right, so that wraps up ODAC and Ferrum. Cole, the coaches poll came out this week for Division One FBS. There, I have my opinions on it. I have strong opinions on it. I know you have. Know, I know you have strong opinions on it. And maybe, maybe during this preseason that we're doing between these first three episodes before we get into week one, we can uh, we can do our own top twenty-five. But <laughs> coaches top twenty-five. I'm going to run through top ten, and I want you to give me your thoughts. I already know what your thoughts are going to be on number one. Um, but here we go. Number one is Alabama. Boo. Number two is Ohio State. Overrated. Number three is Georgia. Underrated. Number four is Clemson. Eh, overrated, especially no- after last year. Okay. Number five is Notre Dame. Always overrated. Number six is Michigan. Right where they should be. Number seven is Texas A&M. Dark Horse could be higher, could be lower, hard to say. Okay. Uh, number eight, Utah. I like the pick. Number nine, Oklahoma. Overrated. Number 10, Baylor. Uh, I agree. I think Baylor's going to surprise a lot of people this year. So here's, I don't think Notre Dame goes in your top 10. I don't think, and I don't think Oklahoma goes in your top 10. Clemson should not be in the top 10. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know so much about that. I think Clemson finishes in the top 10 this year. I, do they make the playoff? I don't know. That depends on Cade, on what goes on with the quarterback position with Cade Klubnick and DJ Uyangale. I think Clemson should not be ranked preseason top five. I think they should be seven. Now, this is just coaches' poll, so this is nothing yeah. set in stone. This isn't the AP poll. Oh, no, absolutely. I, I agree. But at the same time, a lot of this is going to boil down, and it's going to influence the media. Absolutely. Um, here, here's my thing: is it? And this needs to be based more off of what's going on, or what you did last season. Your your returning production from last season, and your um, and what you've got coming in this year. Automatic. I know Georgia lost. Oh, excuse me. I know Georgia lost a lot. To the draft, I know they did, but they're still the na- the reigning national champs. Put, uh, I think they go number one, and then put Alabama at number two because they were in that SEC. They were in, they won the SEC, and they were in that national title game. I agree with you. 100%. I don't have a problem with Alabama being in the top four. As much as we, me and you both dislike Alabama, there's no denying how good they are. So here's my issue with coaches' polls, AP polls, any kind of preseason polls. Look at the top four and tell me how many times those four have been in the CFB playoffs. Every year. Yeah. Just about every year. Just about every year. I mean, you look at five, you look at six. Yeah. Notre Dame, Michigan. Michigan was a first-timer last year. Michigan Michigan was a first-timer last year. But look at how many times Michigan should have finished in – and I'm not saying, you know, go Michigan or anything like that. I'm just saying – Change it up, please. I know it's. I, I'm tired of seeing the the, the top these four: Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama. Especially seeing two SEC teams in here. I don't. I don't like it. Clemson should not be in the top four. I don't think Clemson not, should be. Not no. based on last year. No, I think they need. I think they can be in the top five because nine and three is a good season. Yeah. 
Um, I, th- I think that's a good. I think that's a that's a decent season, especially for what they had. Texas A and M, I think, is right where they're at. I may put them a little bit lower. Baylor and Utah, I'm putting either four. I'm putting them four and five. You're putting Baylor and Utah four and five. I would put Baylor and Utah four and five. They both won their conference last year. Uh, Oklahoma State, I would move up there as well. I'd move them into the top ten. Put Honestly, I would move at, Michigan State up into the top ten. I, yeah, I think. But but the thing with Michigan State is you don't return Kenneth Walker, but you still have Mel Tucker, though. And, you know, you as an LSU guy love Mel Tucker and you love Dave Aranda. Yes! <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So, and, 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 I, and they have both proven that they're decent, co- that they're amazing coaches, you know. So, Notre Dame does not need to be in the – in the top five. No. Now. There's a here's, – here's what I'll say and then go for it. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame is unproven. They're losing Because they lost to Coach Cincinnati Kelly. at home. Yeah. They're losing Coach Kelly to LSU. Go mm-hmm. Tigers. Um, <laughs> we'll never stop ragging on that. Um, they've got a first-year head coach. He's been with the program for – 10 plus years now he, I he's, think he's been there for well I don't think it's 10 plus because he's only he's in his early 30s okay he may be a grad assistant I don't know uh-huh. but that is helpful for Notre Dame is that he knows the program yeah. that they didn't make an outside hire and and he's number one in recruiting right now oh yeah Notre Dame is number one in recruiting right now so do I think Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman are a great match? Absolutely. Do I think they could be in the top ten by the end of the season? Maybe. I think so. I think Notre Dame is going to prove a lot of people not wrong, but I think a lot a lot of people are going to get proven right about Notre Dame this year. Do I think that they should be top five? Yeah. Ah, mm, top no. ten, yes. I think they should be tenth, yeah. yeah. Oklahoma needs to be out. Now, Oklahoma can be – 11th or 12th they didn't win the conference didn't I go agree. to the conference championship game last year here's my question on this top 25 and hopefully you'll be able to uh answer this question okay usc at 15th after finishing four and eight with a last year i just <sighs> there's there's no reason now i get it because of what they've brought in, because they brought in they brought in Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison, brought in they a basically lot. brought in the Oklahoma team from absolutely, last year. Alex Grimes. So I get it, but they don't deserve to be in the top no, twenty five. Absolutely I, I, not. I, I don't. I they're they're unproven, and until you give me something, give me something tangible. Okay, then rank them. Yeah. But they. But all I'm seeing from USC right now. All I know from last season, they was a four, they were a four and eighteen. Yep. So um, that's yeah. Yeah. Oregon at twelfth, I like it. Um, they did lose to Utah, and they've got Dan Lanning as a new head coach with Bo Nix over there at Oregon. So that's okay. NC State, I I, <laughs> I kind of like. I forgot about Bo Nix. Oh, you forgot about Bo Nix. Yeah. <laughs> um, NC State, I like them where they're at, top fifteen. Okay, so. I'll do the inverse of what you did. Okay. Just give me like three word reaction to where they're ranked okay. for 11th through 20th, and then we'll cover the last five. Okay. Oklahoma State at 11th. Higher. Oregon at 12th. Right where they're at. NC State 13th. I think they, they're good right there. 
and Michigan State at 14th. Um, if you dare say lower. No, I, I'm not going to say lower. I, I think they're good right there where they're at. Maybe a, 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 a place or two higher, but I, th- I think they're good right there where they're at. USC at 15th? Shouldn't even be at the top 25. <laughs> Pitt at 16th? I, 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 I know. Um, I think Pitt should be higher. And here's mm. what I just died a little inside. Here's why. Pitt won the ACC last year. But they lost Kenny Pickett. And I think they should at least be inside the top 15. I think, I think they should be the 15th team. Yeah, if you swap USC and Pitt and then drop USC off a cliff, I think you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> if you drop Pitt off a cliff, I'd be tired. To yeah. But but you get you do get but and then they lose. Not only did they lose Kenny Pickett, they lost Jordan Addison, mm-hmm. and they lost Mark Whipple yep. to Nebraska. And then you replace that with Keaton Slovis. Now they do have a lot of returning. Now they do have returning production on the offense and the defense. Um, I th- I think fifteen. I mean, sixteenth is okay, but I, I still think that they uh, being a conference champion needs to matter. Yeah, and I and they did win their conference last year. They did. So they. Well, need- I mean, mm, I don't want to say look at the competition they came up against because the ACC was really good last year. Either it was really good or it was just really bad. It was competitive. It was, I, I feel like it that's was competi- a good way to put it. It was competitive because you had Wake Forest, NC State popped up for a little bit, Pitt was up there. For a while, Boston College was yeah. was, was, Surprising was, me. was a little tough. Um, Clemson still was good. I mean, there's 9-3. Gosh, I would love to have gone. I, I would love for to say, hey, my down year was a 9-3 year. Yeah. I would love that. So... You know that I, I just I I don't know. Um, and then of course you had U, UVA and Virginia Tech. They yeah. they they were just kind of middle of the road. They weren't really UVA was competitive there for a while, um, but I mean they ended up finishing finishing the season six and six. And Virginia Tech took a massive beating in their bowl game against Maryland. Yeah. So. I, yeah, I don't know. I just I think Pitt deserves to be higher, but the a, the much. ACC as much as I want West Virginia to be in there, I will undoubtedly admit to you it is a weak conference. Yeah. Um, speaking of ACC, seventeenth Miami. They need to be lower. I haven't seen anything out of them. And again, you got a lot of over. You got a lot of turnover there in Miami. Is Mario Cristobal great? Uh, a good head coach? Yeah, absolutely. You know, look what he did at Oregon in the little bit of time that he was there. But they need to be lower. I, I haven't seen anything out of them yet. 18th, horns down, um, off off the top 25. Off the top 20. With a first-place vote, too. They had a yeah. they had one first-place vote. Yeah, because they – 18th is Texas, if, if you didn't catch the horns <laughs> down. Um, they should be off of the top 25. There's, they, there's no reason for them to even exist on this list. Yes. There yeah, no, there's no absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um nineteenth Wake Forest. I think they need to be higher. They were I, in that I ACC championship. You. I agree with you. But now they did lose their quarterback though, got hurt 
of off got off field uh, injuries. Yeah, but I still I I feel like Wake Forest is they're always competitive. I think this year Wake Forest will be competing for their conference championship. I think so too. Twentieth, uh, rounding out the top twenty, uh, Wisconsin. I think they're right there where they're at. Yeah. Wisconsin is always a solid top twenty-five team. I feel like I agree with you. I think they're always going to exist within the top twenty-five. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to be towards the top anytime soon. No, no. I, but but yeah, it's they, hard saying they, this year. They could they could be on top of the Big Ten West and go meet whoever. Either Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, maybe even Penn State. Coming out of the top 20, going into 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. 21, Kentucky. Higher. I agree. Uh, 22, Cincinnati. Higher. I say higher. I don't think top 10. No, not top 10. They lost a lot, too. They lost a lot. Um, but unlike Georgia, you're not just going to replace it like that. Um, but definitely higher. They were a playoff team last year. Yeah. Um, 23, Arkansas. Higher. Yeah, I agree. Uh, 24, Ole Miss. Honestly, I think they're good where they are. Yeah, because they got beat pretty good by Baylor last year. Now, yeah. granted, Matt Crowell got hurt in that game in the, in the uh, Sugar Bowl. Either way, I think, they're, I think they're where they need to be because I think Ole Miss is going to be – you know, a dark horse in the SEC. Um, I don't think they're going to reach up and snag too many victories where they're at, though. I think they definitely beat Mississippi State. For sure. I think they give Texas A&M a run for their money. LSU? No. We're not losing to Ole Miss. We're not losing. Stop. Stop talking. We're not losing to Ole Miss. They may lose. They'll probably lose to Alabama. Yeah, no, they're going to lose to Alabama because everyone loses to Alabama, and it's fine. It's it, it's fine. We're good. It's fine. We're fine. Moving on, number twenty-five, Houston. Higher. They were they were in that championship game with the Cincinnati last year, and I think they need to be higher. Now they got Holgerson as a coach. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So if Texas falls off the face of the earth, and everyone moves up one position. Who would be your number twenty-five? Uh, because we're both in agreement, Texas should not be there. Texas and USC. Well, e- even if USC was on, because I can understand the hype. I feel the hype from USC. Yeah, USC could easily be number twenty-four. Texas, no, no. Uh, BYU needs to be up there. I think they need to be in the top twenty-five. Um, I was going to say BYU or Iowa. Because I, I think maybe. Iowa, I think Iowa's going to surprise a lot of people. This maybe year. even Penn State, if Penn State stays healthy, if Penn State turns around um, their defense last year, their defense was terrible. They were also really banged up on the offensive side of the ball. I think yeah. if they stay healthy, they they it'll be another four. It'll be a four horse race in the Big Ten East with Ohio State, <clears throat> Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State. So. I, I think I think BYU is who I would place back into that. I mean, they pretty much won the Pac-12 last year, let's be honest. They yeah. beat every Pac-12 team they, they played, including Pac-12 champ Utah. Yeah. So a BYU needs to be in there, and I don't know why they're not. Um, but, yeah, that's that was Coach's Poll reaction. It 
it wasn't a bad poll, all things considered. I mean, I don't like the top four for a number of reasons just because – and a, a lot of the criticism for college football is that the same programs are always on top and other programs just need to get better. It's not about other programs getting better or getting worse. It's about who is the media actively covering because – so much of the top four with Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, besides name value like Notre Dame and Texas, who's going to get the top recruits in the country? It's the people who want to win national champions or national championships and get to that next level, get to the NFL draft. So we're going to see, unless unless coverage of Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, and you can even throw Notre Dame in there too, Unless we get better analytics and less media coverage on them and highlighting some of the lower-tier programs, I feel like that's going to stay the same. I think so, too, until somebody jumps up there and says otherwise. Yeah. You know, and it's not even it's not even those top four. I mean, it's Texas and USC, too. Yeah. Those are programs people desperate – Texas especially – those are programs people desperately want to speak into success. Yeah, you know? and I mean, it just it aggravates college football fans across the nation. Unless you're those fans that belong to those schools. Yeah, and horns down. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Sweet Caroline as well. So, <laughs> speaking of coaches, this was a big story over the weekend and into this week. Coach Kale Gundy of Oklahoma, Mike Gundy, who is Mike Gundy's brother, who is the head coach of Oklahoma State, resigned from Oklahoma, from the Oklahoma coaching staff, uh, because of a racial slur that he has, that he himself has made claim that he did state. However, he only stated it, said that he stated it once, whereas head coach Brent Venables said he stated it multiple times. Um, here's what Venables had to say about Coach Coach Gail Cund- Gail Gail. Oh my gosh, Kale Gundy. It's resigning. a rough. It's a rough name. It is. Uh, Coach Gundy. This is Venables talking. Coach Gundy resigned from the program because he knows what he did was wrong. He chose to read aloud to his players not once but multiple times a racially charged word that is objectionable to everyone and does not reflect the attitude and values of our university or our football program. This is not acceptable. Period. Coach Gundy did the right thing in resigning. He knows our goals for excellence and that the coaches have special responsibilities to set an example. And that comes from ESPN.com. Um, that's, I mean, <laughs> Venables, like, and Venables knows Gundy as well because Venables was there during the Stoops era because Kale Gundy has been there for almost 30 years. He was there, I think he started coaching there in 1994. As a running backs coach, and then he became a wide receivers coach. So he's been a staple of the Oklahoma program for for 25 years. So for him to leave, that's a big shot for Oklahoma and that staff. Now, how big? You know, I'm wondering though, how big of a shot is it if he's saying these racially charged words? How is he treating players and things like that? I don't know. Um, I don't think, but he he is a he was an asset like that's that's yeah. undeniable. He was an asset to the Oklahoma program. 
I don't think that there is a conspiracy as far as these coaching staffs, you know, mistreating their college or their athletes or anything like that. I think that would have come out a long time ago. Exactly. Um, I do think that accountability needs to be predominant in college football because, I mean, you look at cases like Danny Perlman from Clemson a few years back. I don't know if you remember that, but in 2017, in the midst of Clemson's championships run or championship runs, um, Perlman used the N word during practice with basically no repercussion from Sweeney or uh, Venables who was on that Clemson staff. So I, th- I think accountability and um, just, you know, repercussions are more common now than they ever have been. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a good step forward as far as just getting everything out in the open and saying, hey, this is the reason why. Don't do this. Yeah. Says, uh, says Coach Kale. Gundy spent 16 years as running backs coach, followed by seven more coaching inside receivers. Uh, so, like, he's he had he's a, lot a he's a cog yeah, of that offense of that offense, and now he's not there anymore. So that also has a lot of people now even more down in Oklahoma than what they were. Um, you know, I I just I don't know. Oklahoma will always be Oklahoma, and I think Oklahoma's going to be fine this year. I think they absolutely make a bowl game. I don't think they go to the championship game this year. Um, but this definitely hurts. This hurts a lot, you know. So the, it, this hurts with recruiting. It it can hurt with recruiting, and it may help with recruiting. Who knows? Um, this can hurt with recruiting, not having somebody there that's been there a long time. Um, or just dealing with that press in yeah. general. Yep. Because you know reporters, the first thing they're going to ask any new players in that system is, how do you feel about what Coach Gundy said? Yeah. And I I think it's going to be – I don't think it's going to be a media storm, but I do think it's it, – it already is a media storm. I don't think it's going to be – I don't think it's going to be as big as everyone who is saying it, it's going to be. I don't think coaches are going to start dropping like flies. No, um, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, this is, again, from ESPN.com. Uh, these are Gundy's words. The unfortunate reality is that someone in my position can cause harm without ever meaning to do so. In that circumstance, a man of character accepts respons- accepts accountability. I take responsibility for this mistake. I apologize. Um, he also said he didn't even realize what he was reading. Apparently, what 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 he was reading was he picked. I guess um, one of his players wasn't paying attention. He picked up the iPad and read what was wrote on the iPad or the Windows tablet or whatever. Yeah, but either way, you gotta have you gotta have common sense. Exactly. Um, he said he didn't even realize what he was reading and claimed that as soon as he did he was horrified. Um, again he continues, I want to be very clear. The words I read aloud from that screen were not my words. What I said was not malicious. It wasn't even intentional. Still I am mature enough to know that the word I said was shameful and hurtful no matter my intentions. Again, this comes from ESPN.com. ESPN was all over this story, as many as were many other sports media. So this is this is interesting. This is not something I expected to come out over the weekend, but here we are. Uh, you know, you said you don't think it take this. It doesn't have as much of a profound impact on Oklahoma's season as what we all think, as what 
a lot of people think it does. I think it has some impact, but I think the overall coaching change is going to have an impact regardless if he had stayed or not. I think regardless, just that amount of turnover. Yes, you bring in Brent, Brent, Brent Venables, Venables. Yeah. and you bring in Jeff Lebby. So your defense should drastically improve. Yeah, should dramatically improve or drastically improve from Lincoln Riley. But your offense should stay relatively the same. Like, as an Oklahoma fan, I don't think you're going to see as much of a difference from what you saw with Jeff Lebby and Lincoln Riley. Yeah. But I think you will see a big difference between Caleb Williams, Spencer Rattler, versus Dylan Gabriel. Yeah. I think that Oklahoma has bigger problems on the field than they do off the field if this is the only thing that comes out about I think, Oklahoma I think football so too. this year. I think this is the only thing that – I think this is the only off-field issue. It seems like so far from a 10,000-foot view. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, because, and it, it's, I mean, it's I not would even, like for them to yeah, fall yeah, apart yeah, halfway through yeah. the season. It's not even, it's not even <laughs> from a, like, Big 12 fan or an SEC fan because they're impending in, what, two years? Yeah. Next year, something like that? Uh, yeah, possibly next year, but still shooting Probably. for 2025. Yeah. Um, from a college football fan, you don't want to see off-season or off-field issues hamper a team that's excellent on the field. Yeah. But I don't think this coach in particular is going to – it's, I don't think it's going to bankrupt the entire season. No, no, I think if it was already going to be bankrupt, it wasn't because of him. I think it was just because Riley left in the middle of the night. I agree. So, yeah, just a little tidbit on our views and opinions on what's going on with that situation down there in Oklahoma. Um, leading up to this preseason, we're going to take a look at all the Power Five conferences, see, look at what who did what last year, and just see how they're going to – See how they're going to do this year. Um, Are we starting with the boring ones first, or <laughs> so? Big t- no, so so Pac twelve and Big Ten. I'm just right. kidding. Cool. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> to all the Pac twelve and uh, Big Ten fans, wherever you are. Um, All those Salt Lake City, Utah people <laughs> yeah. who listen to us. I'm sorry for insulting your sorry. conference. <laughs> I hereby immediately resign. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> well. Uh, <laughs> no, so going into Big Ten and Big Twelve, um, which one do you? Are, excuse me, we're saving Pac Big 12. Twelve and SEC for you know the fun episode. Um, Big Ten and Pac Twelve. Uh, how do you want to start? Uh, we'll go Pac Twelve. We'll go okay. work our way west to east. Um, so, Pac Twelve championship game was Utah and Oregon, and Utah convincingly beat Oregon twice. Yeah. Twice. Absolutely. Uh, and then went on to a close, close loss against Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. I think absolutely Utah goes to the Pac-12 championship th- game this year, and I think they I think they win it as well and maybe get to the playoffs. I would like to see Utah get to the playoffs. I think that would be fun. I think that would be nice to see another a new, fresh team in the playoffs. Um I don't think USC runs the conference this year. No. Like everyone is projecting them to do. I think Utah and Oregon are still going to be on top of the South and the North in Mm -hmm. the Pac-12. But this year, remember, it can be Utah and USC to the Pac-12 championship game because it's going to be best winning percentage this year because Pac-12 changed that. So I agree, but I also disagree with that at the same time. Um, 
I, I like the winning percentage idea that they're embracing this year. I don't because I think that your best two teams can be in the same division. Absolutely, of your conference, Absolutely. and we've seen that so many times. We see that with the A- with the ACC. We see that with the SEC, um, the Big Ten, most notably. You know, um, I think that Utah is going to be a part of the Pac-12 conference uh, championship game. I think they're going to be facing Oregon State. I know. I Oregon know. State? Hear me out on Oregon State. Last year was not a great year for them. They went five or they went five and four in conference, seven and six overall. They were six and zero oh at home and one and five on the road. What that tells me is Oregon State has some killer fans at home. I think that Oregon State is going to be not dominant, but I think they're going to pull a lot of those close losses even this year. And I could be very, very wrong about that. I think you are very, very wrong about that. But I think it's going to be Utah and Oregon State. And, you know, call me an idiot. Call me a fool. Tell me that I don't know college football. That's fine. I'm not going to call you those things, but I completely disagree. There's no way, no way. Utah went 7-6 and six last year and lost to U- – or Oregon State went 7-6 and six last year again and lost in the bowl game to Utah State by two scores. Two scores. I think Oregon State turns it around this year. Uh, no, absolutely not. It's going to be Utah and Oregon again this year. And if and not, it, and it if very not, well could be. If not Oregon, Utah, and maybe UCLA. Because UCLA went 8-4 and four last year, 6-3 and three in conference. They were sneaky, sneaky. Nobody's talking about UCLA. No one else is also talking about Washington State. 7-6, and 6-3 six, six and in conference last year. They also lost in their bowl game. Get this to Central Michigan. You're not making. You're not. Keep digging your hole. Just keep digging your hole. That's fine. Keep digging. I will get on this shovel and stay on it as much as I want to. Granted, Um, it was by one touchdown, so it wasn't as bad as Oregon State's loss to Utah State. Now, I will say Utah State is a good team, but. I think Utah is going to be – this we can agree on. Utah is going to be in the Pac-12 championship game. Yes. No matter yes, what. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, their opponent, I think it's toss-up. I genuinely <laughs> think it's a toss-up. I think it's going to be between Oregon and UCLA. Maybe – U- I think I could see USC getting up in there as if things click and things fall their way. It's definitely not going to be Stanford. <laughs> no. Or Arizona. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I honestly believe Washington State, Oregon State, or Oregon could jump up and bite them. It could be UCLA. It could be Arizona State. I mean, it it all depends on how many internal improvements these teams have done over the off season. I just can't believe you said Oregon State. I think Oregon State is going to be good. The home of Barry Sanders. Come on, man. Oh my gosh, Oregon State. Look, fight me if you want to, but either way, we got a podcast to put out. Yes. 
I'm you. I not nah, yeah. I think Utah finishes number one. Finishing last, I think it's Arizona as well. <laughs> I think I think Arizona finishes last. I agree with that. I think it's going to be for the for the verse of that. I think it's going to be Arizona and Stanford competing for that last spot. But Oregon State. Look, man. It, it's not a safe pick, but looking at their home record, looking at you know overall record, were they not good in the conference? They were five and four. I think that a lot of these teams are changing, and it would not surprise me if Oregon State finds its way up into the Pac-12 championship game. If Oregon makes it back to the Pac-12 championship game, I will eat my words. I it, it's okay. I'm fine with it. Um, gosh, but I, but either way, moving on from the Pac-12, <laughs> my very controversial opinions apparently incredibly controversial. You um, act surprised about that. Like Oregon State is not controversial. Going into the Big Ten, I swear if you say Rutgers is winning the Big I'm Ten, I'm going with Rutgers, baby. Oh my God. No, I mean it. Obviously, it's going to be one of three teams in the East and then one of three teams in the West. I mean, it's going to be Michigan, Ohio State, or Michigan State, Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin. I couldn't tell you the last time that Penn State has made major waves and won their champion or won their conference championship. Or actually, I could tell you it was probably the early 2000s. Probably. But. Maryland. Well, no, they no. That was just two years ago, 2019. They went 11 and two. Mm. So I mean, goes to show you how much I watch Big Ten football. Ha. <laughs> um, but no, I think it's going to be. I honestly think it's going to be Ohio State and Wisconsin. You know, I'm glad that one's not controversial. Gosh, that one I can I can get down with. Do I think it'll happen? Maybe I I think I could see Ohio State winning the East. There's a lot of how how good is Michigan going to be with Jim Harbaugh thinking about taking that Viking, excuse me, taking about uh, thinking about taking that Vi- the Vikings job and then getting denied. I definitely I, I definitely think Ohio State is a little bit more stable. So that is going to be that's going to be interesting. Um, I, I think. I think both the East and the West are going to be competitive this year. But for different reasons. I think Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, and maybe Penn State will all have playoff uh, implications. I think they're all – if they all play their cards right and and do well within the conference, I think they could all easily look at – they could all – maybe beat each other up and then prevent them from being in the playoffs. But I think they that East division, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, and Penn State, all you could be looking at playoff implications for any of those four teams. Absolutely. I mean, they were all Michigan and Ohio, or, uh, Michigan and Michigan State were both undefeated at home. Ohio State only dropped one game at home, and Penn State only dropped two. 
um, their away records uh, for Michigan, Ohio State, four and one, and for Michigan State, four and two. Penn State didn't do as well on the road, two and three, and they dropped um, an additional game out of conference. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be it's gonna be tight in the East. I think in the West, I I I think you have a three horse race between Iowa, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. I think you throw Purdue in there as well. You have to. Yeah, think, especially after last year where they were jumping up and killing uh, big-name teams. And maybe Nebraska as well. Um, that one I'm not – I only say that because they did – they were incredibly active in the transfer portal, and they got decent players out of the transfer portal. I still I still think they're going to have – like I, I, I think maybe they'll win a bowl game this year – or not win a bowl game, but get to a bowl game this year. Um, because there were a lot of 50-50 football games they lost last year. We were just talking earlier on in the episode about how Nebraska should have won about half of their games. They should have. I, I think that they like, lost. They almost beat Oklahoma. Um, I think they they kept it close with even Ohio State. Yeah. So, but if I I think if they have another three and nine season this year, or they don't go bowl eligible, Scott Frost is gone out oh, there yeah. in Nebraska. And I mean, you hate to see it because Scott Scott Frost deserves the chance that he has in Nebraska. I know, but he's been there for he's been there for five, four or five years and they haven't made I don't think they've made a bowl game yet with Nebraska. So I just I I, I if I was a betting man, I would probably go with Iowa or Wisconsin. Um and those aren't playoff implication teams. I think those are just bowl high caliber bowl teams. I agree with you. Um that could spoil somebody's season and that they very well may could spoil one of the East uh, playoff uh, playoff hopes and dreams. They could they could win the game. Do I think that? Do I think that's likely? Probably not. Because um, I think the East will win the championship again. But I don't. I I don't know. I, I they they could be scary. They could be sneaky and get up there and ruin somebody's dreams. For the Big Ten, the East is definitely the powerhouse of that conference. Yep. I mean, I and it's not Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Nebraska, and Purdue are all and Northwestern and Illinois. I mean, the entire Western or the Western division is stacked with historically dominant programs. The only issue is, is you're up against some of the best programs in college football in all of history with Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, and Penn State. All in the East. Yeah. All in the East, but if you're in the West, that's the scheduling. That's great. You don't you don't get beat up by those teams. No. Now sometimes you can play cross divisional games, but you don't get beat up by those teams on a regular on a weekly basis. You know, so I think I think we see Ohio State and Iowa, and I think Iowa makes a no 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 no. I think we're gonna go see Iowa Ohio State. I almost said Iowa State. Ohio State and Wisconsin in the Big Ten And you were giving me game. slack over Oregon State. You have Iowa State winning the Big Ten. I know. How wild. And they're not even in, <laughs> they're the, not even in the conference. <laughs> um, so we're gonna, that's going to be close here to wrapping up the episode. Uh, just a quick little thing for those of you who are local listeners. We appreciate you for listening. We really do. We have uh, some exciting news coming up here soon. Uh, some sponsorship, you know. Uh, 
I say sponsorship deals, uh, but we have kind of a new segment that we're going to bring along because somebody has been gracious uh, gracious enough to help us out here on the podcast. Um, so it's gonna, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's going to be a big year this year. But for any of you local listeners, uh, Franklin County football is going to be back. It's back this year. Uh, Cave Spring is the home opener August 19th mm. at 6 p.m. So that's gonna be that's gonna be a fun game. We're gonna see how Franklin County can uh, is gonna perform. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Also, August twenty sixth. This is again another announcement for you local listeners. August twenty sixth. Mark your calendars. If you are a high school student, Couchorama will be happening. And for you, those of you who are maybe in Young Life or have experienced Couchorama, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Couchorama is just a big back-to-school event that Young Life hosts. Uh, we haven't been able to do it for the past couple years because of COVID, but this year we're bringing it back. It's going to be so much fun. Couchorama, uh, Cole has actually donated one of the couches, uh, so that's <laughs> that's going to that's gonna be cool. We're going to have fun program characters. Uh, the winner gets a trophy. So, uh, yeah, and Couchorama, what it entails is, hey, we load a couch literally into the back of a truck, drive around town, take pictures. Everybody has to be on the couch. No feet can touch the ground. And your pictures are worth a certain amount of points wherever you go to get these landmarks at. Um, so August 26th, 7.07 p.m. in the law parking lot. Be there or be there. Um. Circling back to Frank County football yes. for one second, seven dollar tickets. I hey, mean, you you can't go wrong. Seven dollar general it's high admission, school football people, all events. Come on, yes, you're watching sport for the sport. Yep. at that point. Yep. So come on out, support the Eagles, support Young Life with Couchorama. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I think that about wraps us up. I think that wraps us up. Uh. Great start off to the second season, Cole. We're going to have much more. Uh, starting week one, we're going to go to two days a week. Um, we're going to give you a preview of the that current week's upcoming games. And then later on that week, we'll have a reaction of this the past week's game. We um, listened to you. We heard you. We're cutting down the length of our episodes and giving you more content than you could ever ask for. Yes. So wrapping up just a little bit after an hour. Um, but remember, Backyard Brawl is back September 1st, 7.30 p.m. My West Virginia Mountaineers are taking on the Pitt Panthers for the first time in over 10 years. The Tigers are fighting the Seminoles. That's also going to be a big game. I'm excited for that one as we well. We are going to whip them. Whip them. <laughs> whip them good. <laughs> well, for that, I'm Owen Spelnick. My name's Cole Connor, And this has been Season 2, the beginning of the Panther Pod. Go Tigers. <laughs>